In my house, I've got a closet full of shelves that are just for displaying my various Lego sets. Yes, it's exactly as awesome as it sounds. <laughs> I was actually thinking about Lego in preparation for today's episode. I want to ask you something about that. What would you say the Lego brand is about? I think that if I asked five different people, I'd probably get three or four different opinions. One person might say they're about encouraging innovation, and someone else might say high-quality, stimulating toys for kids. And another person might say, well, they're just about creating fun toys for kids and adults. And you know what? All of those opinions are right. You see, a company's brand stands for the promise they fulfill to their customers. And that might, that might be something different to different people. And like your personal reputation, it doesn't evolve overnight. It's a slow, gradual process built on years of steadily growing your message. And it doesn't happen on accident either. You can shape your company's brand, and you should. And today's guest is going to teach us just how to do that so that we can build a great company that stands for something important and beat our competition in the process. Let's kick it. It's not so good right now. Welcome to the Scope of Practice podcast, where we help busy healthcare professionals learn to manage their businesses successfully and master their personal finances. Now, here's your host, Dr. Brent Lacey. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for the Scope of Practice podcast, where you can get the knowledge and resources you need to grow your leadership skills, your business, and your personal finances. Welcome to episode 57. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, hit that subscribe button. Go ahead, just do it right now. And that way you don't miss out on any of the awesome episodes that are coming up. Also, don't forget, stay tuned to the end of the show, like always, so that you can get access to the free resources that I'm giving away to help you continue to grow your business. Hey, before I introduce today's guest, I want to tell you about some great resources on the website you should check out. If you go to the website, which is www.thescopeofpractice.com, you'll see a tab at the top called Resources. I've got resources there to help you start a side hustle, get your student loans paid off, start a podcast, get free quotes for disability insurance, and much, much more. I've also got a list of online courses, books, websites, and podcasts that I recommend that will help you start and grow your practice and master your personal finances. Now, full disclosure, some of these are affiliate relationships, so I do earn a small commission if you choose to use these companies, but that's at no additional cost to you. This is one way that I can continue to bring you this content for free, and they are all companies or products that I use myself or have personal relationships with the people in those companies. So just go to the website at www.thescopeofpractice.com and go to the resources tab at the top. You can also click the link in the podcast description. For today's sponsor, I'll turn it over to my friend, Dr. Erin Wiseman, fellow physician podcaster and member of the Dr. Podcast Network. She'll actually be featured as a guest on the podcast soon as well, so you want to hear from her now. Here's Dr. Wiseman. Hey there, this is Dr. Erin Wiseman. I'm a fellow Dr. Podcast Network member, life coach, and mama three. I kick butt, I take names, and I help other high-achieving people do the exact same. And today, I want to invite you over to my podcast, Dr. Me First. It's well over 300 episodes, and each one is filled with inspiration and advice from amazing guests. So grab your wife, your mom, your sister, your best friend, and come tune in as we explore what it means to be a woman in medicine and a woman in this world. Because this podcast is a dose of everything that I needed when I was burned out, exhausted, and ready to quit it all. At the end of the day, I do this to help you feel more connected to yourself 
and to connect with others. I love to end my show with a kick of encouragement, so here's my favorite tagline. Your life, your calling, your pulse matters. See you over at Dr. Me First. My guest on the podcast today is Omar Khatib. He's the head of growth for Gentem, which is a company dedicated to helping physician practices stay independent. You know, he actually started out in medical school for a couple of years before branching out into healthcare marketing. He is brilliant when it comes to creating and sustaining brands that register as valuable companies in our customers' minds. You want to be known, right, as the company that solves a problem for your customer. So how do you cultivate that reputation? Well, that's what today's conversation is all about. Whether you're newly in practice or you work for a big healthcare organization or you're looking to rebrand your practice after 20 years in your community, there is something in this podcast episode for you. So here is my conversation with Omar Khatib. Hey, y'all. I am so excited to welcome my guest today to the Scope of Practice podcast, the head of growth for Gentem. This is Omar Khatib. Omar, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, Dr. Lacey. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. I, I'm a big fan of the show, big fan of you and, and, your, and your content. So I, I was really honored to be invited on and, and excited to kind of get into it. Well, I love having folks on that have unique and interesting stories or or specific expertise to share. And you've kind of got all of that. Um, I mean, you've had a really interesting career path. I mean, so I, I have a pretty good mix on the show, I think, of some physicians and some people who are industry experts. And you're You've got a little bit of a, a foot in both worlds there. So, um, you know, you went to med school a couple of years and now you've gone in a, just a wildly different direction. So tell us a little bit about your journey and uh, what got you to where you are now. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. So I'm, I'm a Texas boy. I'm born and raised in El Paso, Texas. Uh, like every pre-med, you know, I went to college and studied biology and chemistry. Unlike most pre-meds, I actually stuck to it and went to medical school. Um, and so I was at medical school at Texas Tech and about halfway through, I just realized that I, you know, I, I could see myself doing different things. And so I decided to leave. Fortunately, I, I was on scholarships. So I did not leave with debt, thank God. Um, and I, I got into the world of surgical robotics and technology. And so I started my career in that almost 10 years ago, back in 2012, um, started in sales. And you know, I was mentored by some of the greats in our industry. Uh, Chris, Christopher Sells was my late mentor who passed away uh, about a year ago. And Chris Prentice, Tim Rowski. Uh, and, and they saw that I had a talent for marketing and encouraged me to go into marketing. I haven't looked back since. So since then, I really built my brand and career uh, in taking very highly complicated first-of-its-kind technology to market and 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 really disrupting a, a standard of care that's that's really what i've i've sort of uh cut my teeth on and in in doing so part of my job was helping a lot of physicians to build their practices market new technologies figure out how do they attract more patients drive more business etc and i did surgical robotics i've done ai and predictive health and most recently, I joined head of growth at Gentem, which is different from MedDevice, still within healthcare. So Gentem is a Silicon Valley-based uh, company. We're a fintech or financial technology company, and we focus specifically in healthcare and medical practices. We, we're developing a, a, a software-based platform, essentially building a, a, an entire infrastructure to help power the future of uh, healthcare reimbursements. And the reason why we're doing that is just because, you know, my father, as a great example, was a private practitioner, has surgical practice, and there's always issues with getting paid 
uh, on time by by insurance companies getting reimbursed the total amount. And so there's a lot of lost revenue because of how complex and 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 how administratively difficult that is. And what Gentem's doing is essentially we built a platform and service where we're trying to own that end to end so that physicians never have to worry about that again. They can focus on what they want to do, which is practice medicine, see patients. And then through our company and our platform, they get paid on time, they get paid more. Uh, and more specifically, they can actually grow their business. And you know, the last thing I'll kind of say just uh, about the company is it's something that I'm very proud of. You know, we're we're uh, we're founded by a physician, a Stanford educated physician, Dr. Fasayo Shitelo, and then a former Facebook software engineer, uh, uh, Manny Akhtayo. Um, and our big vision is that we want to help medical practices stay independent. And, and I think it's something that that's really what brought me over to this company. I can go to a variety of companies. But I, I'm just very passionate about helping physicians. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to come on your show is because any way that I can help physicians, whether it's through the revenue and reimbursement area or even sharing my uh, tactics and strategies for marketing, it's something that I just really it's, – it's, it's very important to me, to say the least. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I started the scope of practice was to give people the knowledge and tools they need to be able to lead and manage their business more successfully so that they can stay independent. So I love that we've got common missions there. So the the more that we can equip and educate and coach our fellow physicians, the better uh, they'll be able to stay independent or at least to know enough um, that they can make the most of whatever their situation is. So I think that's I think that's fantastic because I, I mean, and no, not to knock on anybody, but I'll tell you what, they're definitely not teaching these things in medical school or residency, you know, I mean, <laughs> like nobody even knows what a contract looks like or, or claims or any of these things or marketing for, for that matter until you leave med school. And it's like, oh, wow. Like I got to start learning about this now. And it's by that time, it's usually too late. And it's no wonder so many physicians just decide, which there's nothing wrong with this decide like, I'm just going to go get employed by a hospital, which is okay if you want to do that. But for the ones who want to be entrepreneurial, who want to own their practice, it, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, and one of the aspects of uh, owning your own practice and uh, being independent is just knowing all the different aspects of it. So the financing, the the electronic medical record, getting supplies, getting vendors. And then one of the big things is sort of where your area of expertise lies is marketing and branding. And we've had a couple of episodes uh, with some folks talking about the the marketing side of things, but I, I'm very interested to talk to you a little bit more about branding. And I know the two ideas kind of go hand in hand, but maybe we could start by just giving people an idea of when we say branding, what do we really mean by that? What does that look like? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to riff on this a, a little bit. So think of it like this. Um, let, let's start with marketing first. What, what, what people confuse about marketing is that marketing is, 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 is a, is a very, it's a very big thing. It encompasses many, many different facets. And so the way you can think about marketing is kind of like your way of helping a customer get from point A to point B, right? All of us, whether we're trying to buy a product or trying to do something, we are in a present state that we're stuck in and we're trying to find a vehicle to go from where we are to where we want to be. And what marketing does is provide that vehicle and most, most importantly, that vision to see where you're going. What does that, you know, sort of mean? Let's start with the brand. So what, what's a brand? Well, you have a brand, whether you like it or not. And, and the way I like to think about brands is it, it's like a reputation. Um, what 
what a brand is not is your logo. That's the big thing is like, oh, if I have a logo, I have a brand. That's that's not the, ca- the case. And especially today, we live in a very crowded and noisy world, right? So if you if you have a brand, you're you're very lucky to have one at all. And the best way to think about brand is that it's it's a shorthand definition for the customer's expectations, right? What promise do you think, you know, do they think that you're making, right? And what do they expect to be delivered if they, let's say, buy from you or hire you or they ask you for help? So like for me, I'm Omar Khatib, like that. I've built a brand because when people see my name, they see my face, if that could be a logo, I've gotten it to a point where there's an expectation and people know that there's a promise that I fulfill and they know what to expect from me. You know, so for, for example, you know, you know, in your case, like the scope of practice, right? If you have, let's say fans or followers, it's mainly because this group of people decided that they wanted to engage with you in a way that signals that they're expecting something for you from you. And they, they, they know that you'll deliver that promise for scope of practice. It's helping physicians to understand the scope of their practice in terms of the marketing, the revenue, all these different areas, right? Let me give you another example. I'm, I'm an athlete. I love working out. And so for me, you know, if you're an athlete, right? So for me, I'm a big fan of Nike. So if you took me and another person, let's say, do, do you, do you wear Nike by any chance? Uh, yeah, some, I don't, uh, wear Asics shoes cause, uh, my feet are super narrow. It's the only thing that fits me. <laughs> it's a great, great shoes. But let's say you take me and another, another person who likes Nike and Phil Knight, the founder of Nike asks both of us separately, like what, what do we think Nike stands for? Right. Whatever we end up saying is going to be different, but in both cases, Phil Knight will be proud of what, what he ends up hearing. Right. And it's not because it's specific, because it's not going to be specific. We're not going to rattle off the Nike uh, uh, brand tagline, but it's going to be something that's emotional. Right. So compare that to, to like a commodity, like let's say gas. Right. When I go to Chevron or 7 Eleven, like I really don't care about those brands. I want to go where it's going to be cheaper and fastest, and that's it. Right. And so if you look, and I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, if you look at a brand like Chevron or Verizon or ATT, I don't see them as really very uh, valuable brands because when people switch, they really don't care, right? If I change though my Apple iPhone to a different smartphone, I I would care. I would miss it a lot, right? And I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to brands is that if it disappears, will people actually miss it? And so when you think about marketing and building, let's say, a marketing asset, what you need to do is invest in, 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 in things like connections and other non-transferable properties like emotions, because essentially if people end up caring, then you have a brand, right? AT&T disappears tomorrow. Like, I don't know if I'm going to care. I, I'm an AT&T customer, right? Kind of a really long philosophical answer, but that's how I like to think about brand. And again, probably the shortest way to think about it, the brand is your reputation and it's the promise that people think they're going to be getting from you. Okay. So I really love that a lot. And as we're thinking about this and I'm starting to understand a little bit more about what branding actually means, I'm kind of with you. I don't really have a lot of brand loyalty in general. I tend to focus on whatever's cheapest, whatever's most readily available, whatever's most convenient, but there are a very few companies that I have very specific brand loyalty to. So the one that immediately comes to mind and there's no, I don't have any kind of financial relationship here, but enterprise rent a car. Um, Mm. every time, every time I have ever rented a car with enterprise, I've had a phenomenal 
experience. It's been pleasant. It's been helpful whenever there was a problem. They helped me troubleshoot it. And I haven't necessarily had that with other brands. I've used three or four other car brands and I only, only ever will rent from enterprise. And so anytime I go to an airport, if enterprise isn't there, I kind of freak out a little bit. I'm like, great. What's my backup? I don't have a backup. So, so then, so then how do we translate that into healthcare? Because if you're an orthopedist, let's say in Denver or in Chicago or in um, Kansas city, there's a hundred people that do the same thing that you do. So how do we stand out? How do we, how do we stand out in that crowd of noise? Like you say, uh, absolutely. And, and I want to, I want to take a roundabout way of answering that because it's, it's related to what we just talked about. So you talked about enterprise, right? And how much you love it. Um, when you're in the airport, do you look for like the enterprise logo, you know? Yeah. So I, and, what, I, and I can scan it look and like? see it's, um, it's, it's, it's green. Their main color is green and it says enterprise real big. Got it. So here's, so, and, and this, and this is something that I, a lot of physicians ask me about, which is like logo and imagery and everything. So the, the dirty answer, and again, I, I think that's why people, they ask me on podcasts because I say things that's, that are going to get me in trouble, but you know, that's okay. You know, your logo, it actually matters a lot less than your, let's say graphic designer wants to admit, but a lot more than what a committee will realize in a company. Right. And so going back to that definition, if the brand is kind of like our mental shorthand or, 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 or mental shortcut for a promise, the logo is essentially this post-it sticky note that's a reminder of what that promise is, right? So if if you don't have a brand, logo is meaningless, right? So if if I asked you, aside from enterprise, to list out five logos, logos that you admire and even draw them out, I guarantee you, actually, I will predict it that all five of those are a brand that you admire and care about, right? And it's very possible to have a terrible, lousy logo and still have a brand that people adore. Look, a perfect example. And when you think about this, you 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 won't be able to unsee this. Everybody loves Starbucks. Their their logo is horrible. It's just like super complicated mermaid with a crown, right? It has nothing to do with coffee. Why? You know, and what is Starbucks? Right. So all these are terrible, but they've they've done such a good job with the brand that that doesn't matter. And so why do I mention this? Translating this to healthcare. The way you want to think about it is that when it comes to a physician, right? And let's just make this as as as, simp- as straightforward as possible, right? The way I like to think about a brand and a logo for a physician is, is their face, right? Your face, your name, that's kind of like in a way your logo. And then what that face and name end up becoming is really is really your brand. So for, for me, for example, when someone sees my LinkedIn photo, we can think of that as a logo, right? My name, Omar M. Khatib, that's kind of like the brand name, right? Together, that that turned into a reputation. And what that what is that reputation? I every Wednesday I do a book review, right? So I'm 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 known for providing knowledge for free because I care a lot, right? I provide a lot of free insights on marketing. I, I literally give away my marketing strategies and tactics for free all the time. I don't care. I'm not close to chess. Though that's the brand that I've garnered, right? That's the promise people know me for, you know, in terms of delivering on. And if I disappear next week, I don't know how many people would miss me, but I know that there I I'm very proud to say that I know that there are some people who would miss me if they didn't see me uh do my weekly book review or if I don't post anything on marketing. 
right? So as a physician, that's how you have to think about yourself, which is, you know, if let's say you're a physician and you're part of a practice, it is important to promote the practice, the practice brand, et cetera. But even the greatest brands in the world, they had a face to them. We don't really care if we woke up one day and let's say the Apple Twitter handle disappeared, right? But if Tim Cook did, people would care about that. Look, Tesla, Tesla's a, an amazing brand. I wouldn't care if Tesla stopped posting on their Twitter or LinkedIn. Or I would care a lot though if Elon Musk did. And so I think part of that is, you know, as a physician, it's more than just posting content and talking about medicine. We want to see a story. We, you know, people love to see the, the person behind the quote unquote brand. So the, you know, there's physicians who post like Andrew Sauer uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, his last name spelled S-A-U-E-R. He's a, uh, he was a former division chief of heart failure at Kansas university. He's still there. Um, but he, he does a lot of posts about vulnerability right? And the balance of work, you know, work-life balance, you know, uh, shortcomings as a father or a parent, uh, triumphs as a, as a father and, and a spouse, you know, and so those kind of things resonate with people. So now if I'm one of the many employed physicians out there and I work for something like say Kaiser Permanente, or I'm working for a big hospital organization, um, it would be very easy for me to not be able to stand out among the sea of people just in my hospital. Right. So, and I'm probably not going to be featured really heavily on the hospital's main website. So how do I go about building a brand if the whole hospital system is overshadowing me? I got to tell you, you, you ask fantastic questions. I love that questions. So here's, here's the big, the big mistake that people make they rely on others to essentially establish that brand for them. And the best thing that you can do is say, pick yourself and go straight to the market and let the market decide. And so within the walls of the hospital, it's very easy. Like if you're at a Kaiser, right? Or a Hopkins, huge hospitals, right? Huge systems. And for you to be like, you know, I'm just a, I'm just an associate professor here. I'm, I'm, it's the first year. Like who would care? But I would say that you're limiting yourself to this tiny, tiny little market when in fact through the internet, there's huge, vast community that's waiting to discover you, right? And what I would say is go straight to the market and let the market decide. I, to, if I can make a, tr- uh, a comparison, I felt the same way in my career six, seven years ago. You know, when I started, I, I was at Missouri Robotics and I was, I, I was uh, in my opinion, for my age, I thought I was a pretty good marketer. I worked very hard. I, I took what I learned in medicine, brought it to marketing. I studied, I read all the books on it. I practiced, I did everything. When, when other marketers I knew were out partying or doing this and that, I was obsessed with going to uh, startup events, even launching campaigns on my own, with my own money, just to learn. And so when I, I got laid off, my thing was, well, you know, who, who's going to know me? Right. And I was like, well, I only have this much time and, you know, uh, no recruiter is going to vouch for me. And so I said, you know what, why am I waiting for somebody else to do this? I'm going to pick myself and I'm going to go to the market. I'm going to let the market decide. And so what I started doing was every week on LinkedIn, I would write an article 
about marketing strategy, about leadership, whatever that I was interested in, right? And those articles, literally just me being, a, I was like 26 years old, writing articles. And that took me from Orlando, Florida. It, it got me a job in Silicon Valley and that paved my career. I got speaking gigs out of that. My last job, my CEO discovered me because he was reading those articles when he was a director. And so you never know when you put yourself out there through the digital world, that digital version of yourself, which is constantly doing work for you while you sleep, people are rediscovering that content and everything. You have no idea where that's going to lead. Very much, I'm sure that you had the same experience with, with, your, uh, with your brand of Scope of Practice. Yeah, absolutely. And what's one of the things that's been very interesting with the scope of practice is to see how the brand has evolved from what I intended it to be to what um, to a sort of a combination of how I see it and how others perceive it. Um, it's been very interesting. So some of the feedback that I get about, well, these are the things that 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 I've had that were really valuable that I got a lot out of. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, like that was such a small thing that I wasn't thinking was a big deal. And yet it was the thing that resonated most with this person. So let's think about that concept for a, for a physician practice. Cause I could easily see this happening with, well, let's say, let's say I'm a physician that's been in practice for 12 or 15 years now. Okay. I've been out, I've been practicing, I've been doing my own thing, but I've never really thought about the branding, but I have to believe that someone who's been in practice that long has a brand, whether they want one or not, they have a brand, they have a reputation in the community, but let's say I haven't been really paying attention to it. How do I figure out what my brand really is? I mean, what I see it as versus what the community perceives it to be. How do I even go figure out how other people see me? That's a great question. And I think, you know, again, I, I love, I feel like brand and reputation are very much interchangeable. So very much if, if I were to think like, what's my reputation? Part of the answer is, well, what, what would people say about me in a room that I'm not in, right? And I think it's the same thing with physicians, which is to kind of, you know, ask, you know, ask people, but, but find a way, you know, I would, you know, I would find a way to figure out what people, what, what's the reputation? Like, what do people say behind closed doors, right? And I think part of that is that you have to find somebody you really trust, somebody who's going to tell you the truth, no matter how much it hurts, and who will try and get to as close to the source of truth as possible. So that could be as simple as, um, let's say a nurse, or, or let's say if you have an office uh, admin, right? Um, they can, they can you know, put together, let's say a survey monkey and just email it around to, to other practices, or let's say patients, you know, former patients, and just ask them like, hey, can you please give us some candid feedback? you know, and take all that down, you know, and see, like, are you regarded as a surgeon who is incredibly talented, but is kind of a jerk, you know, when it comes to pay, you know, patient care, right? Or, you know, it, it could be a variety of things. But I think that's, I think that's part of it. Um, but the other side of it is also trying to decide, what do you want your brand and reputation to stand for? Right? Because you, you, if, if you don't take advantage and try and own that narrative. Somebody else is going to come up for a come up with a narrative for you. That's the biggest thing. And and so it's this, it's a strange paradox where on one side brand slash reputation is what people say about you when you're not around, but on the other side of it is if it's a story. That's what all this is about. It's a story. It's a narrative. You better be the one 
um, developing that narrative and being consistent about it, because if not, someone else will do it for you. And this is part of the reason why, um, you know, like think about reviews. Why is it important to get a lot of reviews, whether it's an Amazon product or let's say Google reviews for a physician? Because eventually there's going to be someone who says, yeah, this is not for me. I didn't like it. And that can either be one or two bad reviews in a sea of many other people who are like, no, this is, I, I love this physician. I love this company, et cetera, et cetera. Or it's the one or two reviews that, 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 that exist and they're both bad. Right. Yeah. We, we talked about reviews quite a bit in uh, episode 16 of the podcast. It was really, really useful. And you're right. It's a hundred percent. Um, true that that people look at reviews before they come to see their physicians and so managing that becomes important i love how you talk about you've you've referenced this a couple times that this is about honing a narrative it's about telling a story and i really think that that's an important concept for people to grasp um way back in episode seven of the podcast we had jj peterson on from story brand and we talked all about uh marketing i love his work oh yeah i use story brand yeah he's it's fabulous um, so we talked all about using a uh, story to, to tell our, um, you know, to, to tell who we are to other people. So as we're crafting this story, let's say I'm early on in my career and I'm, I'm starting a practice or I'm joining a, a fairly young practice. And we're starting to think now about building a brand, branching out in the community, expanding, really starting to become uh, a serious presence in our city. Um, as we're starting to build a brand, what kind of story are we telling? Are we telling a story of who we are and what we want to do and how we can help other, how we can help serve people in the community? Or are we telling the story that our potential customers have that, you know, are we telling their story and how we can insert ourselves into that? So how do we hone that narrative? How do we craft that narrative? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, I think this is where physicians, a lot of them they get very overwhelmed when they think about marketing because it, it's like, oh, you know, patient videos and testimonials and then technology and this and that. And then they just end up not doing anything. And what I would say is, you know, it helps to have a professional sit down and help you map this out. You can buy a book or, or, or go look online and do it. But what I would say is the easiest – I try and think of behavior change. This is all behavior change, right? So what's the, what's the easiest, lowest barrier thing to do? document. So what I would say is um, have a LinkedIn profile because LinkedIn organic uh, uh, reach and this we can we can spend a whole whole hour talking about this alone. It's the best. It, this is like Facebook pre to pre 2005. So it's it's amazing organic reach. Now. So have a have a LinkedIn. And then I would say, if your patients are on, well, the patients are definitely other have an Instagram too. Right. But let's just let's make it like really easy. Let's just say it's a LinkedIn for now. Um, I would just take, take photos and I would document things. Take, take, take a photo of you and, and your office manager, document it, talk about why you appreciate what she or he or she does, right? Um, find an old photo of you and maybe your mentor from residency, post it, talk about what you learned from them. You know, make, if you make it a point and what I recommend is put, take your calendar and put time in there and, and have it repeat every day at let's say let's say 6 a.m or whenever you go whenever you we wake up to go into work for 15 minutes and put it as like linkedin time go on linkedin comment on a few posts and then find something to post about whether it's a picture or you want to share an article that's the best way to get started because then you know 
I'm not religious, but even in the Bible, I believe it says the fool is the precursor to the savior, which translated means you're going to have a lot of bad ideas before you have a good one. You're going to look like an idiot doing these things before you're actually really good. When I look back at my first articles, oh my God, especially my first book review videos, they were terrible, but I'm proud because I, I see how far I've come. And the only way you get there, just like, like if you're a surgeon, it's literally through practice. And so if you do this every day, 10, 15 minutes, right? That adds up over time. And if you expand, you know, this is like compound interest. So 10, 15 minutes a day, Monday through Friday, just doing this, right? And you don't have a strategy. You don't have a plan. You're just posting. You zoom out three to four months from now, you would have learned so much. You'd have gotten more clarity on what that brand is and what works, what doesn't work, right? And I think that's the biggest thing is that a lot of physicians are afraid, we're, we, we all have that voice of shame in our head, that resistance that keeps us from posting. Like, oh, uh, what am I, what are my colleagues going to think about this? Like, oh, this is really lame. So that's all, that's not your ideas. Those aren't your voices. That's someone else's voices that's preventing you from doing that. And that voice never goes away. I've been doing a book review every week for all, for over three years now. I've never missed a week. I still get nervous when I post a video. That's still that's still there. What's changed is that I've become more and more brave, and in a way, I stopped caring. And that that emotion is so much more bigger than this little fear I have. It just overwhelms it. Well, one of my all-time favorite quotes is from uh, Augustine. He said, "We become brave by doing brave things." So it's it's not Absolutely. that we're it's not that we're fearless. It's that we we have courage is not being it's not absence of fear. Courage is is the overcoming of the fear that we face. That is absolutely correct. And you, you, your listeners can't see it, but I have a tapestry right over my head. It's an antique and it says courage and it's got a sword on it. But it's that's that's absolutely correct. And I think, you know, it's like you, a lot of times when it comes to marketing, what, what a physician will do, and that's what we we all went to school. And we, we, we overthink things because we have to because we're dealing with life and death. But when you, when you look at um, marketing, a physician will often look at the whole staircase right? And they see flights of stairs. And all you got to really do is just look down and look at the first step and just take one little step. That's it. That's, that's the biggest thing. Just take the first step, you know? And then after that, it gets easier and easier. But if you try and think about, you know, uh, too much about like logo and brand and all these things, it, it becomes overwhelming and you end up just not doing any of it. And all my thing is just go to the market, be a fool, just start, just start. So we've taken that first step. We're starting to post on LinkedIn. We're, we're finding our voice. We're, we're starting to, you know, build some reps. Um, what's, what are the next steps? So as we're thinking, let's say I'm a, let's say I'm newly in practice or I'm let's, let's take it this example. Let's say that I'm starting a brand new practice. I'm going to go do a direct primary care and I'm going to open up my own shop or, or something like that. Um, where do I really start? I mean, is it is it logo design? Is it figuring out what my services are? Is it developing a business plan? Is it, you know, getting my team together to brainstorm some ideas? Is it hiring a professional? I mean, what? How, where do we start with that? Great question. So I'll I have to quote the great Peter Drucker, um, and this translates, in my opinion, to anything. And he said, uh, a business has two functions: marketing and innovation. And so for, for practice, let's say you start a new practice. What I would say is on the innovation side, what do you want? What, what, what is, what is the one or two 
pieces of innovation that you have? Like, why would somebody choose to come to you? Whether it's like a new technology or procedure or something, you have to really be known for something, right? Something has to be the tip of the spear. So for a surgeon, yes, you're not going to have, you know, you're not going to just focus solely on one procedure, but there's going to be a bread and butter procedure. And that bread and butter needs to be at the tip of the spear. I'm using way too many analogies here, but I think you're following. (laughs) And so that's the innovation side. On the marketing side, right? You take that innovation, that thing that makes you unique and you say, okay, how are people going to find out about this? Right? And so part of that could be old school marketing, right? Which is reaching out directly to uh, referring practices and figuring out how they refer you, refer to you, uh, checking and seeing like, okay, if for patients today, how do they find out where to go to get this procedure? Like wh- how are they figuring this out? You know, go look at other practices in the area, look at practices outside of the area. And I think that the most important quality of a great marketer, and I, I coach and mentor a lot of marketers, I tell them, the best marketers, in my opinion, are those that are aggressively curious and they they constantly challenge their own mental models. Because if you do that, if you're very, very curious, you pay more attention to what's going on and you're always questioning your models and it, with confidence, right? I'm very confident as a marketer, but every day I wake up and I say, whatever I thought about yesterday, I could be completely wrong about. And I need to pay very close attention because when you pay close attention, that's when you start noticing things. One of my favorite books uh, on marketing is Talk Triggers by Jay Bear. Um, and so it's in, in the book, I don't know if you've read it, but in the book, he talks about um, being remarkable, which is to say being worthy of remark. And so, you know, if you're, if I go to an orthopedist, um, I don't care that he sets my leg in the sense that anybody can do that. Any orthopedist that I go to should be able to do that. That's not what I'm going to remember about the guy. What I remember was when I was in eighth grade and I broke my leg and the guy who set my leg signed my cast, I'll be back, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I was looking at that going, what in the world is this? And he said, oh, you're too old for me to sign a Batman. If you were younger than 10, I signed a Batman. And 25 years later, I still remember that. Right. And I've referred patients to him now, now that I'm back in town. Um, and so it's you, you can stand out by being different. You don't have to necessarily be, you know, the cutting edge this and the top of your class that. And I went to this prestigious school. Exactly. You can, you can have a, a personality that is worthy of of memory and remark. You can have extreme empathy. You can be extremely responsive. You can be extremely accessible. There's lots of different ways that you can promote yourself and and brand yourself as someone who is different. It's not always about being the best necessarily as it is about being different. Do you think that's fair? I 100%. And this is something I argue with people all the time. Engineers hate, they hate, they hate this, but it's true because at the end of the day, you know, it's yes, whether it's a product or service, yeah, you should aim to be the best, but let me tell you, People don't make that make the decision that way. They look for what's different and what's new and novel. Look, the, I love the Apple iPhone. This is not, not even close to being the best smartphone, right? But I still use it. And this is on, I'm on version 10 now, right? There's a reason for that. So I, I absolutely agree. And again, there's there's so many things, there's goods and good and bad to physician, to medical culture, just like anything else. Here's the bad part of medical culture. You have to be top of your class. You have to you have to have trained, you know, this many years to be able to even talk about this one topic, right? So 
our culture in medicine is rooted in hierarchy and shame. And I, and it's really true. And so, you know, there, so there's, it's, it's hard for physicians to break out, especially now with all these IDNs and corporations buying out hospitals. So now physicians are becoming employees, but the pro side, and this is what, where I love, like what you're doing with, with, with a scope practice, physician culture is also rooted in entrepreneurship right? You have, you know, surgeons came from like the surgeon barber class, right? So it's about being misfits. It's about being rebels, right? You know, physicians are, 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 you know, they'll rail hard against, against, against the rules and break them if they have to. And so I think there are times where you have to adhere to your culture, right? And respect it. And then there are other times where you have to evolve past it and say, this is holding me down, Right. And the moment that you consciously become aware of that, that's when a light switch will flip on and then the actions change because all of this is programming, whether it's being a physician, you know, being, you know, a man or a woman, you know, this or that or the other. We all have this programming, this this talk track and narrative in our head that none of it, none of it was there before. It's not our ideas. It came from somewhere. But the moment we become conscious of it and say, you know what, that doesn't make sense. Why, why shouldn't I be able to be unique as a physician. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to a, a gentleman who I'm a big fan of, Pascal Jabour, who's the uh, head of neurosurgery at Thomas Jefferson. This guy, I, I love him to death because he posts on LinkedIn, of course, like procedures and stuff, but he'll, he's, this guy's like the most interesting man in the world right now to me because he, he'll post like him uh, uh, doing like a, a champagne, you know, like when you take a sword and you, you cut the champagne top off, he's done that. He posts like his wine, you know, Again, he's interesting. And, and all of marketing, you know, this is a very simple concept, but it's not easy. Marketing really starts with one thing. Can you get attention? And if you can get attention, can you then channel it in the direction of your product or service? But if you can't get attention, it doesn't matter how great your product is. It doesn't matter what you have set up. Can't do the attention part. Nothing else really matters. All the greatest copywriters in the world from the 40s and 50s and 60s, that's what they focus on. How do we get attention? And once we have attention, how do we channel it in the direction that we want? Yeah. You know, one of the things that as we're thinking about this, the only thing I can think of that would be harder than getting started on something like this is getting restarted on something like this. So if you're a company that's been in the in the community for say 15, 16 years, and you realize, you know, we're kind of falling behind or it's, it's time for us to freshen the look or do something different. We want to rebrand ourselves. We want to reinvigorate ourselves in the mind of the community. How in the world did we do that? It seems to me like it'd be like turning an aircraft carrier. I mean, just have this huge behemoth that you have to shift in the minds of the community. So how do you do that? Yeah, that great, great question. And so let's just, just to give it like a real good visual. So let's say it's a, it's a, it's a uh, physician practice with like, let's say 10 or 15 physicians, something like that. And they've been around for like 30, 40 years. Is that, is that kind of what the example you want to go with? Yeah. Yeah. So the way you do it is it's, it's a story of rebirth, you know? So a lot of these are like very archetypal stories. So it's a story of rebirth. Right. And I think the way you do it is it's amazing how physics can be applied to anything. So if you think about, um, uh, the formula for uh, for acceleration, uh, if I get this, I, I don't think I have this wrong. For acceleration, I think, is force force div uh, divided by mass. Uh, 
Correct. And so obviously, yes. So yes, thank you. That's a, that is an MCAT question for sure. <laughs> and so, and so if you think about it, the, the larger the mass, the more difficult, you know, it is for acceleration to change, change direction. So it's the same thing with an organization, right? So when you try to do it as an organization, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a big undertaking, except if you do this other trick, which is you start looking at the individuals, right? So you look at the individuals and identify somebody in the practice and say, you know what, this new, uh, this new uh, physician that got started, she's young, she's, she's got a lot of energy, she's very enthusiastic, she, she knows social media. Let's encourage her and support her to kind of document, to, to help her build her brand, right? As you do that, that garners attention, right? And people become interested in people and then they can become interested, like, well, where does this person work, right? And so by doing that, think of, think of it as, as how do we identify a catalyst, right? And it's the same thing that I do within a, a company. Like, sure, Gentem, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just starting with developing our brand and our marketing and everything. But while I'm doing that, I look in my company and identify people who are catalysts to start doing that. I'm, I'm one of them because, of course, I'm the, he I'm the head of growth, so I should be good at it. There are other people in the company. This one uh, 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 lady who joined, Jen Jennifer Vaughn, she's our, uh, leader. She's our uh, revenue cycle management lead. Brilliant, high energy, amazing personality. And so I encouraged her. I said, hey, you should post more on LinkedIn. Let's do some videos and everything. And she she's doing it now, right? And so as people discover me, right, they learn about me, my enthusiasm with marketing, everything, they discover Gentem. Same with Jennifer, same with other people in the organization. I would look at it the same way than in a medical practice. The medical practice should not also be branded and marketed by the physicians. You have medical assistants there, you have an office manager, you have nurse practitioners, people who are very passionate about their work. They're very proud of it. And so you know, one thing, another random idea, you know, again, I choose, I pick LinkedIn because organic reach is great. And again, if you think about behavior change, you want a little bit of dopamine to come out every time you do a post. And so if you have organic reach, people are liking, commenting, you're going to be motivated to do more of it. So you can find somebody in your practice, let's say an office manager or, or a nurse practitioner or, you know, whoever it might be. And say, hey, you know, we, we're trying to like do more on LinkedIn and everything. Do you mind like maybe if, if you do a post, maybe take a picture with, with one of your uh, uh, staff members or something. Just post it and talk about what you, what you love about this person or, or working here. And as soon as they post it, the partners in the practice need to go on LinkedIn, comment on that post, like it, share it, right? Because now you've just encouraged that employee and, 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 and supported them. The other employees see you doing that so that now they're like, hey, you know, I think I'm going to do that too. The people who are on LinkedIn see the partners and they start saying like, wow, like what a great medical practice. Like they're, they're very supportive of each other and everything. These little tactics are great. And then outside of, let's say, branding and marketing, think about what that, what environment that brings to your office. This environment of like positivity and support and enthusiasm makes work really interesting and fun. You know, so there's so many ways to think about this aside from just, oh, we need a brand and market our practice so we bring more patients in. Because when you do these things, and if you think about it, it's like living out loud and practicing out loud, good things end up happening. You just have to trust the system and the process. Oh, I love that. Well, and you know, you don't think about that necessarily, but it seems like your brand strategy really ought to influence pretty much every aspect of your company. I mean, all the way down to your hiring process. You're going to hire people that are going to be 
positive influences on your brand. Then that's got to be a consideration. A hundred percent. And again, not to, not to, you know, just because I just went through this exercise, but I want to give you an example of with Gentem about how important this very simple thing is and how it influences not only our company and employees, but how we recruit, how we look to investors, even customers. Our mission, which is what we do, our mission, I'm going to read it directly, simplify, accelerate, and increase reimbursements so private medical practices never worry about revenue again, and they can focus on patients. Our vision is to revive private medical practices and help providers remain independent, right? That sings to every one of our employees, and all of us make a decision to that. And then our core values, no ego, radical transparency, extreme ownership, action-oriented, and have fun. Now that aligns everybody in the company. When when we recruit people and they see that, they say that resonates with me. That's the kind of place I want to be at. Everyone makes decisions based on those things, which is how do we help medical practice stay independent? And in doing that, how do we have no ego with our projects? How do we have radical transparency with ourselves and our customers, right? How do we have extreme ownership? So if I mess something up and let's say my head of sales is like, hey, this isn't working, I own it. Equally so, our customer success team, if they have something happen, they have extreme ownership with the customer and say, no, you know what? This is on us and here's how we're going to fix it, right? This very simple exercise that a lot of companies are like, oh yeah, let's just have a mission and vision and core values because it's, you know, like you have to have it. These simple things exist for a reason, you know? And when you start thinking about it like this and executing against it, the greatest companies and brands on earth function like this. And in my opinion, the greatest and most admirable people you know and families that you know are like this because they have a way, a vision about what they, what their name stands for, what their values are, right? And how that's going to be perceived with the community at large. It's all the same thing. That's awesome. I love it. Well, Omar, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think people are, are going to be a lot better for having heard it. Um, but Sadly, we don't have six more hours to be able to spend on all this. Um, so if people want to continue the conversation and want to connect to you or connect to Gentem, uh, how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, if you look up my name, Omar M. Khatib across any channel, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, you name it, you will find me. For Gentem, uh, Gentem is spelled G-E-N-T-M. Uh, so you can look us up on LinkedIn, Gentem Health, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all that. And specifically for your listeners, I have a very special offer for all the private practices uh, out there because, again, to stick to that to our vision of helping. Um, if your listeners go to our to this website, gentem.com forward slash SOP, just like scope of practice, um, that is our free analysis that we do. We're essentially plug into your practice. And we do this very in-depth analysis on the revenue, claims, and billing. And we give you this free report. It has nothing to do with using, using our platform, but it'll actually show you in the last year how much money you probably lost in reimbursements through preventable denials and kind of gives you a guide as to how you can do it, whether you decide to use this or not. I would take advantage of it because it's free. <laughs> so what was that link again? Gentem.com forward slash SOP. Okay. So that resource right there is going to be worth about $5,000. So, uh, everybody go and oh, get a that. Lot more than that. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> a lot more than that. <laughs> everybody go download that. That's going to be super helpful for you. Well, absolutely. Well, Omar, we appreciate your generosity and we definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking to all of our, uh, listeners. And I really encourage people to go check out Omar, go check out, uh, Gentem. 
um, you know, connect with them on LinkedIn, social media platforms. So go check out their website and make sure you download that resource. So Omar, thank you so much again for joining me on the Scope of Practice podcast today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been an honor. Thank you. I love something that Omar said right at the beginning. Your brand is your company's reputation. Your brand is the promise that you will fulfill to your customers. So are you deliberately cultivating that reputation or are you just letting the chips fall where they may? How are you crafting your narrative? Are you crafting it all the time? Are you being deliberate and intentional with every patient encounter, every marketing email, and every staff member that you hire. So if you don't have a strategy to build your brand, now's the time to start thinking about that. And if you don't know what reputation your company has in town already, that's a great place to start. Have some friends ask their friends what your reputation is. What do they think of you? Talk to your patients. Ask them why did they choose to come to you instead of someone else. A lot of them are coming because their doctors already like you, or some of them are coming because their friends are your patients. So start there, and then start working on cultivating your reputation one day at a time. One thing that you're going to need if you're going to build your brand right is a great one-liner. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before, you may have heard me talk about this. The one-liner is also sometimes called an elevator pitch, and it's a way of answering the question, what do you do? Or what is your business about? And you answer that in a way that draws the listener in and makes them interested to hear more. So for today's free resource, I'm giving you a free guide called Creating a One-Liner That Will Kickstart Your Business's Growth. The one-liner is the key to getting started with clarifying your marketing message. So for example, here's my one-liner for the scope of practice. Most physicians and dentists come out of training with a huge amount of personal debt and little to no idea of how to actually start a clinical practice. The scope of practice is the place where you can go to get the resources you need to help you learn to manage your business more successfully and master your personal finances so that you can have the successful career and financial independence that you deserve. This is a three-step guide to creating a powerful one-liner for physicians that attracts and retains more customers. You can download it for free by clicking on the link in the podcast description or going to the show notes at www.thescopeofpractice.com episode 57. That's thescopeofpractice.com slash episode 57. Before we end, don't forget to go hang out with my friend, Dr. Aaron Wiseman over at Dr. Me First on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for joining me on the Scope of Practice podcast today. You can also find all those resources in the show notes at www.thescopeofpractice.com slash episode 57, or just click the links in the podcast description. Thanks so much for joining me, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Scope of Practice podcast at www.thescopeofpractice.com.